Shine.fm presents Stronger Together, a show about growing in marriage, parenting, relationships, and community. Here's Seth Tower Heard. I'm joined by Tim and Denise Harlow, and normally when you've got somebody on that's got a book, it's like, well, we're going to talk about the book, but I, I've known you uh, for so long. Who would write a book on parenting? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe somebody out there. I've known you for so long that um, I just saw like I saw your kids do great in life and as I was looking through like well how do we talk about parenting in a way that's like really practical because a lot of times a lot of those books wind up being like you know analogies and and things you're like well what do I what do I do with this so if I can set up your story so you guys are coming into Chicago in your late 20s I -hmm. believe right and mid 20s for her mid 20s later 20s for me (laughs) Yes. yes You have a, um, you got a two-year-old, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and she uh, had an accident in the nursery. On, we were potty training, so she had an accident in the nursery on her on her visiting weekend. That's, oh my gosh! That's, that's the history. That's the one who has two kids now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you come in and you basically take over a church that, you know, I guess knowing what I know in life, I would have been like, I don't know if this thing's gonna work, dude. Um, and for eight years, you just really try to live out the gospel in a church that's not doing real well, maybe not dying, you know, and on the verge of, you know, quote unquote, going bankrupt week mm. to week, but, mm-hmm. um, you, you get eight really hard years. And in that you, you have two more kids and now we can fast forward to say, you know, to go from the church of a little room full of people to, you know, tens yeah. of thousands of people calling uh, Parkview Christian church home and your kids you know, I came into your life about 14 years ago because of radio. So I saw one of them go from about sixth grade into adulthood. I saw one of them go, you know, closer to high school and adulthood. And, you know, I've got all their numbers, all their spouses, phone numbers, you know, I consider them all friends and they all turned out great. Um, Here's where I want to drill into your story because I also know people that were raised in ministry families that, man, as soon as they get to college and sometimes Christian college, substance abuse problems, Mm. Um, you know, and it's like, well, where did that come from? And it's like, you know, nobody ever taught them that they were going to be adults and it just blindsided them. So let's start there. Were you, did you have the foresight to look at your, you know, two and six and eight and 10 and 12 year olds as they were coming up or, you know, just pick ages and say, okay, you're going to be an adult. You're going to be able to do whatever you want when you leave my home. Uh, And I need to help you step into that now, step into, you know, faith, step into actual just maturity, like, you know, things like knowing how to do your laundry were you guys thinking about that as your kids were growing up or did you just adjust a lot? I think, first of all, we want to let everybody know we had three daughters, so I know nothing about raising boys. Let's just <laughs> preface true. that. So um, some of this may transfer just and they're, fine. And they're 20, I don't know. 25, 27, and 30. So yes. it was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. quite a few years ago. Yeah. Um, but honestly, we actually did a lot of intentional parenting. I really had a passion for doing parenting um, and doing it the best I possibly could and going into it. Nobody knows anything. So I just wanted to keep learning from any source I could and was involved in MOPS and went to you well, know, started MOPS. Yes, here at our I mean, church. We, we, she knew we needed it, so she started MOPS is it. Mothers of Preschoolers, right, if you don't right, know. Yeah, really good ministry. Okay, so you just really, as you went along, found wisdom. Yes. Basically is the yeah. way to say this. But I also thought of and Tim did too not so much because he's a live in the moment kind of person have fun <laughs> but I also thought okay if we do this are they going to turn around and do that 
and think this is going to be the norm. I, I that was always playing in my mind. It's just my personality mm -hmm. anyway. But in, uh, in game stuff, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think I think for us too, we were we were struggling to do ministry in a in a context that we didn't really understand, and um, and was hard. And I think our I think there was an advantage to that in that our kids were doing it at the same time, and, and we we shielded them from as much as we could as far as the negative stuff that was going on in the church. But they were living, and I don't know if it would be the same today. But they were in the public school system. We couldn't afford private school. It didn't matter anyway. Um, homeschooling wasn't really on the table for us at that point. Um, I, I, that wouldn't wouldn't have been her gift mix. Yeah. And um and 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 she was busy, you know, working at church with me. So I I think we took them into the context of of doing ministry with their friends and trying to reach their friends and trying to understand that all the way through. So I think there's a there's a there's a balance. If you start sheltering them too much and they're always around their Christian friends and that's the only people they ever know and that's all they ever get, then when they go to college, then you know, then it's Amish from spring of time, you know, and they're just like, wow, and there's the rest of the world out there. So we kind of let them experience that as they went. Actually, you know, I do want to turn a corner here real quick. Mm -hmm. So the book you wrote is about taking the gospel out um, to, you know, first and foremost, your actual neighbors. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. I remember the line you used, who is my neighbor? My, it's, it's your neighbor. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's not that hard to interpret who lives next to yeah. you. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I know that there's certainly been, you know, I was, when I'm thinking about my own upbringing, there was like kind of this movement in the 80s and 90s of like, oh, well, you know, non-Christian kids aren't safe for you, mm -hmm. youth group mm -hmm. kid. Uh, when in reality, I mean, if you, you get enough kids in a youth group, something bad's going to be going on somewhere <laughs> anyway. <laughs> 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 uh, so the book is, is quite a bit about, um, you know, the steps to getting out there and loving your neighbor and sharing the gospel mm -hmm. with them. And your, your kids, you know, as I have seen them as, you know, high school kids and as adults, they are wonderfully mature examples of of how to love somebody and you know that doesn't believe what you believe and, and hold tight to your faith and maintain friendships um how walk me through how that worked because i you know i just have seen a lot of people that did the you know non-christians are scary stay away from non-christians yeah. and maybe they quote unquote don't like falter but they also don't ever share the gospel with anybody which is like the reason we're alive yeah yeah well honestly i this is my opinion, but I think good kids, just in general, gravitate towards good kids, um, mm. if that's their real foundation. Mm. And even though their friends weren't Christians, they were good kids. They were decent kids. They didn't really have deep friendships they with potheads or whatever. No, no, no. Um, no, no. Goths, whatever you call them today, them, I don't know. We wouldn't let them date them, you know, yeah. or whatever. Um, but, yeah, no. I mean, they, they're, they're, some of their friends were Christians. It wasn't like there weren't any Christians around. They hung out with their church friends, and they had, you know, Christian friends. Um, really, a lot of them in other churches along the way. But what she's saying is, they were they were usually in an environment where there were other kids that had the same goals. You know, whether it was a music program or you know an educational program or whatever. They they were in the same goals. I I don't think, I, and I also want to say, um, you know. There's no guarantee this is ever going to work out the way you want it to work out. Yeah, you know, we feel very blessed that mm -hmm. that our children, you know, turned out Grace the way that God. they did. You know, mm -hmm. God had Satan, and Satan didn't turn out well. So there's no, you know, there's no specific thing you can you can answer. 
But we thought it was really important for them to be in the world while we were overseeing them. So then if there were bad things, we could we could confront them. We could, you know, once the internet came along, we could figure out how to filter it in our home and put the computer, she had the computer right in the, kitchen. we had a disc, desk right in the, you know, in the, in the family room in the kitchen so that we always knew what was going on. But at the same time, we wanted them to be around those other people. Yeah. Yeah, and we would have those kids over yeah. a lot. That was part of our parenting style was to let these kids be in our home mm-hmm. on as the be around try to make our home the, the party home you know yeah make our yeah. home the fun place yeah and you know if i can just tell a little bit of a story on you here because i would certainly say there are people in ministry that you know that are, that are getting the check from preaching on sunday mornings and really don't hardly know anybody that isn't a believer mm-hmm. and i mean you know i i used to live right here a couple miles away went mm-hmm. to this church i have met your actual neighbors yeah. that were non-attendees maybe had some church background that are now committed followers of christ because you guys actually talked to them so i got to think mm-hmm. that probably them actually seeing you you actually preach this stuff and then actually do it has got to be pretty beneficial well, like I actually think, doing I think it that's where our kids had an advantage you know and, and i to, to the parents out there who are in ministry maybe listening to us there's an advantage because they knew who what we stood for. Another family that was friends with us, they knew who we were and what we stood for. I think it kind of gave our kids a, a step forward in the relationships. Well, and, and because we both grew up in ministry homes, we really had a strong belief in realizing, because we'd seen good and bad turnouts of other families, that if you're a hypocrite at home, you know, from what you say on, at church, kids will go running the other way Um, you have to have integrity in your life you have to practice what you preach literally and if you don't do that not hide stuff right and we also really tried to stay involved with our neighbors whereas like you said some Christians want to stay in a bubble well we had we went to every block party that we possibly could we let the kids play we outside. We were home. I was home for trick or treating, and we would. We didn't boycott Halloween. No, we didn't. And um, yeah, and we even had like neighbors over whenever we could. Um, so it, it, we but it tried was to. Yeah, and when there was a baby in the block or the neighborhood, we ran to take a meal, yeah. and I made sure the girls were involved in that whether they went to our church or not. And when we moved in, nobody in our neighborhood went to our church. Yeah, that was key, getting making sure they were involved in that stuff too. You know, if I can just kind of give a a little bit of a silly example, but something we've all seen uh, as far as just practicing what you preach. Everybody's been in a restaurant where the parent yells at their kid to get off their phone and the parent's doing it. And (laughs) I mean, fortunately I'm married because if I was single, I'd probably be like, uh, hi. Yeah. I just wondered what the heck you're thinking. I know. I'm just curious. I know. <laughs> you yeah. know? Fortunately, you get married and somebody stops somebody, you from doing that, those things. We, we're all fortunate yep. that you got married. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, let's dive in a little bit to, you know, those transition years. When you go from elementary school and your kids are pretty much just hanging off your leg because they think you were the coolest thing in the world to we just know about human development that, you know, you hit junior high, specifically like, man, 6th to 7th grade, 7th to 8th grade, mm-hmm. and then like, you know, 14 to 16, those are 
drastically different life experiences for everybody, yeah. right? Yeah. And so your kids start to pull away from you. And, you know, if you listen to this and you've got a two-year-old, your two-year-old's going to start to pull away from you mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about the about that experience and, and what would you like to have known going into it? Well, one thing that I had learned from somebody else was, uh, and, and I really based can, can a lot I stop, on... Let me stop you right there. She was amazing at that, at learning something from somebody else. You know, I'm, I'm more clueless. I'm just kind of like going for the, for the feel of it. But she was always reading, um, bringing home ideas, talking about it. That's what the MOPS program was good for in the early years. So yeah, she was, was fantastic. Very at inspirational. But I had learned that you, you have to have this foundation of love for your kids that they just know they are unconditionally loved. But... You have to be strict when they're young, and as they actually get in high school, you can actually really loosen up because they understand what the rules are and that you love them. You know, it wasn't for just the image or mm. anything else, and high school was a blast. It really was. We loved high school. It was really sad to see that stage go. Junior high, not so much. Yeah, you want to well. put them in a little, <laughs> little box, but they're figuring, they're insecure, they're figuring out who they are. They got the attitude thing going on. Uh-huh. You crack down when you have to and, and you know, let it fly when, when you were ready. But, I mean, case in point, um, I bought, uh, this is not a Dave Ramsey-approved idea, but <laughs> I bought them all a cheap junker car when they turned 16 or somewhere in there because I wanted them to have their own vehicle, because I wanted them to be responsible for their own vehicle, and I wanted them to have the freedom. Honestly, I also was tired of driving them around everywhere, that, so yeah. let's just be honest. <laughs> but, but, but you know, if you, don't, if you don't allow some of that to happen along the way, then again, you know, it's like, okay, well, you're off to college. Good luck with you. And they're, they, they, they've not had any reason to have any responsibility. Yeah. And, you know, again, I, I don't want to be in the business of scaring people, right? But the, mm-hmm. the over-sheltering thing, I think about my own friends who have gone through some rough stuff and come back to the Lord. And I've got a friend that, um, you know, was raised by somebody that's kind of a, a big name and, you know, hmm. you know, a, a good number of people would know in Christian ministry. Uh, and, man, as soon as he hit 18, he got kicked out of his Christian college at 19. Mm-hmm. By 21, he's waking up on um, on Skid Row in L.A. with uh, substance abuse mm-hmm. problems yeah. and, you know, and, and going to the homeless shelter for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that, that's as literal of a prodigal story yeah. as I've ever heard because, you know, uh, I mean, he had to call somebody and say, I want to start over. I want Jesus. I don't. I don't want to be eaten out of the gutter. Mm. I mean, I li- I'm literally eating out of garbage because of my substance issues. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, you know, we don't want to be in the business of scaring you, but like, hey, this like, we can keep them seven years old forever. It's, it's just right. not going to go. That's right. You've got. I mean, and and you've got 18 years. I mean, that's all you've got. Mm. And and again, let me say, but for the grace of God, there goes one of our girls. I mean, there's there's nothing you can do. To, to keep yourself, you know, keep your kids from going off and doing their own thing. I mean, I, I did a, I did a little of that myself. But I mean, you, you've got 18 years. You have to be proactive about it. It's not just oh well, it'll all work out, whatever, whatever, whatever. You've got to be proactive and and be, as she said, the word intentional with your parenting. And and when stuff comes up, you got to confront it and you got to set the limits. I mean, we didn't let them date alone i mean this wasn't that long ago we didn't let them date alone in a car until you know or alone period until they were 16 
Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we feel early on, we were like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And when it got to that point, it didn't feel that weird because yeah. they knew it all the way through and they knew why. And they had boyfriends. They just knew, you know, they couldn't be with him alone. And, and I'm, they're all married. Two of them are moms. And, you know, I'm happy we made that decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and you don't have to point out one kid in particular, but I'm curious on the dating thing, right? Um, like I know all three of your son-in-laws. Mm-hmm. I've known all three of them for years mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, one a little shorter than the other because yeah. it's more. You know, they're more recently married. But um, I love all three of those guys. And take me back to when maybe one of your daughters was younger, and you're like, I don't think I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> and do you just stay quiet? Do you say, okay, you know, if if this multiplies out, uh, you know, and I know you're 14 and you like this boy, but if you stay together, um, you know, yeah. in 20 I'm years, I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I have to back that up because we didn't want to come across as that naive, live in the clouds parents, honestly. So we would approach subjects with them probably before anybody else did. And so they were comfortable with it. Yeah, actually, yes. So I actually took them each away for a weekend when they were 10 and 13, and we went through, it's, it's a little dated, I promise you, but we went through Dobson's uh, Preparing for Adolescence, and we talked about, insec- it goes through insecurity, and it talks about sex, and it talks about s- saving sex for your spouse. So 10, you do it at 10, because it's not long till they hear it yeah. from other kids at that age, sadly yeah. enough, and you know, they're they're with other boys or whatever, 13, because their hormones are raging and they really like them. Uh, our intention was to do it again at 16, but it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> they were too it, busy. It wasn't important at that point. We, we were thinking because that's when they started dating, but we'd laid this foundation way before they, they all started dated dating. Way before 16, they just couldn't they had be alone. Boyfriends. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we had those boys over so, a lot. So back to that, you know. Loser boyfriends. Um, yes, I I remember. We'll, we'll we'll remain politically neutral on it, but um, <laughs> the the beautiful thing about it. Here's another thing I w- I would say was really important for us. We started the first one out really well. When Rachel, you know, as Rachel went, the other ones kind of followed. So there was some pretty tremendous peer pressure. If if you know they sister were pressure. sister pressure. Yeah, I guess I should say if. If somebody was dating somebody that you know they shouldn't be dating or wanted to go out or whatever, and and some of it was, some of it was hard for them. I mean, some mm-hmm. of it was like I really like well, this guy, but the values aren't there. And, yeah, and I remember that with Rachel even, mm-hmm. and I said, I um, she did date this guy a little while, and we loved him. Oh, he's a great guy, great kid, but we said, you know, Rachel, you can't marry him. Hmm. Because she had a commitment to Christ, so it wasn't like I'm laying my commitment on her. And she said, "I know." And they they didn't date steady. Yeah, I would say. So um, um, then uh, Lauren would not date a guy because he wasn't a Christian, and she actually ended up telling him, and not in a in a gentle way, I would say, mm-hmm. and she probably didn't use the word Christian, maybe faith, but she did um, say it to him, and he said, what if I'm not as far as you think? Because he did have other Christian friends in his life, 
He ended up becoming a Christian. Mm -hmm. And he's her husband today. (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't really missionary dating, but it kind of really was. Well, yeah, they didn't. You know. Yeah, they were friends, and yeah. you know he yeah. was kind of headed down that path. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they, none of none of them dated losers, but they, you know, the, their sisters were were always there, and and we gave them freedom. We, I don't think yeah. I don't think either one of us ever said I don't like that guy. Yeah, because that can really turn against you. Because if you tell me that, I'm gonna you do the opposite yes, thing. Yes, yeah. little your bit kids. of me, and, and I would have that kid around me all I could. To yeah. influence that kid yeah. if they're dating him. Um, Becca, we had one I wasn't as crazy about, and when they broke up, she was heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And I said, Becca, I said, could you have married him, or would you have married him? And she said, Yeah, maybe. And that just like was yikes, red flag. Thank you, God, for breaking him up. And that was the other thing we prayed for their future spouses since the day they were born. Yeah. yeah. And for God just to continually put people in their path to help them love Jesus. Hmm. So those are two things you can pray from day one. Let's talk about how, you you know, separating the pressures of the rest of your life from being, you know, a parent and, and also being a spouse in some way. So I've, I've been in a car with you before where <laughs> I, I distinctly remember uh, um, you get a call uh, from somebody that... Um, you know, has recently made a commitment to Christ who's coming out of a life of actual organized crime. And you're like, don't do that. Don't hang out with those people. You're going to wind up in jail. Jail bad. Church good. Go to small group. <laughs> and and oh, then you that. get on the phone with somebody else and they're like, oh man, my like our nonprofit, uh, you know, which isn't in the Shine.fm, you know, listening area is somewhere far away. So mm-hmm. I can tell this story. But man, our nonprofit is like tanking and this person's just like losing their mind. What do we do? And you're like, okay, you're calming them down. You pop out of the car and you're preaching in 15 minutes and you're like, you didn't break a sweat, and I, I could. Those were two really intense conversations, uh, and, and and that's a microcosm of of leading a struggling church for eight years when your kids are young, and you know, and having to figure out how to leave that at the office. So, how did you guys both, you know, as, as people who worked in the church, you know, quote unquote, leave that at their respective office at times, you know, particularly when you really needed to be zoned in on parenting, because like you know, they get to high school a little more. A little more independent, right? But when they're little, like, man, they really want your attention when when you get home. So how did you flip that switch? Because I've seen you flip the switch. He has ADD. (laughs) (laughs) Well, honestly, I I can't I can do that. I mean, I think that is part of my ADHD is is I can flip the switch. I also I just I really loved my girls. I really loved my family, and that was that was always my priority. So I would have to be really, really messed up by something going on to let that affect what was going on when I came home. And, and that's not true of everybody else, but um, I, I, it, it was really important to me to be able to turn it off. And also, I had her, you know, I mean, to, to kind of make it all Well, we both grew up in through. ministry, so we had the kid perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we could remind each other. You know, it's not going to let those stupid people mess with our family. So, mm-hmm. you know whatever whatever the situation was I, I, I had to switch it back off when I got home period gotcha um, just as you know we're kind of getting towards the end of our, our conversation here when you look at 0 to 18 right like what would you say are some of like the, the, the really really key things that you want to pass on to your own kids now that they've got kids right so we've you know you got uh, one with two two with one 
you know, they're really and in one those, on the way. And one on the way. Mm-hmm. They're they're really in those early stages where, um, you know, like infant care is kind of the same for everybody. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, well, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there are certain things that always have to happen. You know, mm-hmm. baby mm-hmm. needs food. Um, yeah. You know, that's important. Uh, you know, if you look at kind of the the big transitions in life, which is like preschool, going to school, you know, elementary to junior high, junior high to high school, high school to college. You know, is there three or four big moments in there where you say, you know, absolutely make sure that you get this right? Like you talked about, you know, going away at 10. Are there any other of those of those kind of signposts you would say, man, you really, really get that one done? Well, for me, it's I learned it from How to Really Love Your Child by Dr. Ross Campbell, which isn't even he's not even living now. But it's it's the one of the first books I have women read and what it focuses on is making sure your kid's emotional tank is so full because if their emotional tank is full, they really listen to you. And this is huge, and, and it just gives them a healthy self-being, self-esteem, mm-hmm. um, and it involves positive eye contact, which starts when they're infants, and positive physical touch and focused attention which never ends, and focused attention is a big deal. Um, we used it as rewards on the sticker charts, and he made sure he got those lunches in on early yeah, I mean, release so days. So sticker chart was like this this thing that you had figured out, like you do your job, you get a sticker, and if you have enough stickers at the end of the week, you get a you prize. Get something, yeah. and, uh, once a month, then that prize is to go do the something grand prize. with dad or whatever. And I would always make sure my day off, you know, I, I had – time with the kids and maybe a special date with the kids but but back to your age question I think everything is so important in the early years that's why we're so happy that our two daughters that have kids are actually able to not work outside the home very much and stay home and be able to raise them that those preschool years where is where all the developments coming in and then as they as they move on along the way you know there are different stages but I think that that whole zero through five is just so important. And, and psychologists will back that up. Yeah. That's a big deal. You're going to have every kid's going to go do different stages at different times. It, it's really it's really just about the connection that you've made early on, I think. And getting them involved in church. And if oh, church yeah. wasn't good, if their youth group wasn't good, I learned this from my mom, then I would volunteer in there and help make sure it got yeah. good. Um, because otherwise you don't want them hating church. Yeah. Growing up, they, especially at a young age, they equate church with God. It's really hard for them to separate that in their brains. So you want them to love going to church. Yeah, and let's, listen, we struggled like everybody else with the balance of outside activities in church, but they, there were very few times when we let something else get in the way of being involved in, in church and if you're listening to this and your, you know, youth programs, your kids' programs aren't very good, then fix it, you know, or go somewhere else for crying out loud, because this is the time when this is going to be the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Don't don't let them become a great soccer player and miss out on the spiritual development that they've got for the rest of their life. Yeah. You know, and I actually think I want that to be our, you know, if we can go out on this, we've done an entire show on mm-hmm. overwhelmed families, you know, with a psychologist. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, if you haven't grabbed that one, go back on iTunes and grab that one. But I, I do just want to bring up a, a story that I, I've used on the show before, and that's one of my closest friends. His son's nine, 
son's a pretty good baseball player, and son also plays hockey. So it's you know big commitment, and his son got you know picked for the the big travel traveling team. Or whatever. team. And uh, and my friend just said, I don't think we're gonna do that. Uh, and another parent pulled him aside and said, This is child abuse. What about his future? And my friend oh, said, brother. I'm a multimillionaire. <laughs> and he, <laughs> the kid's gonna be fine. It, we'll figure something out, right? Um, I, I am seeing now, you know, with some of my own friends, like they're like, Oh well, this sport or this activity, it's like a second job. You know, we're gone all weekend, yeah. and I'm like, But they're six. Yeah. So don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, where like, did they please. learn to use their imagination yeah. and play? And where do they learn fun? to make their own decisions for themselves? I just talked yeah. about that in the sermon series. I mean, yeah, no, no, that's not that's it's not, not the important thing. They should be in some outside activities, but they need to be home. They need to be they need to be with Jesus. They need to be with Christian friends. I mean, don't take what we said at the beginning as go put your kids in traveling soccer and so that they can be on mission. Because if they're only on mission and they're not got anything filling them up, then, then that doesn't work either. Absolutely. Yeah, they're going to be completely fried out. Right. Mm-hmm. Or gone. The um, Further resources I just want to point people to. So, Denise, you've got a podcast. It's uh, I would say it's pretty pretty women-focused. So if you're it a guy... It is. That women m- who are leaders in churches or pastor's wives, yes. Or lay leaders even in churches. But yeah. DeniseHarlow.com or Wellmentum.net. So if you want to, you like what's going on here, you want to check out a little more of that. Um, the book Life on Mission, even though we didn't, we didn't, uh, you know, talk about, you know, sharing the gospel with your, your neighbors. We talked mm-hmm. a lot more about your kids. Um, I also do just want to kind of throw this out there and say, you know, if you want your kids to be people who share Jesus with the world, do it, do it yourself. And, you know, a lot of people think that the only way they can do that is to be Christian Mormons where it's like they put on a white shirt and hand somebody something and awkwardly walk off in their house. So, you know, if I can, if I can just plug that a little bit, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. No, we never did it that way. No, 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 no. (laughs) The opposite. I mean, we kind of had to be the opposite because we were pastors. So, you know, okay. And then we're going to go out on this because we're going to run out of time, but just how did that, even even though that's not parenting, that that ties all this together. uh, You know, how did you, share with your neighbors, your neighbor's kids, uh, when they knew you were pastors? Because it's, it's a little different, right? Because you're like, okay, when's the Amway pitch coming? We loved on them. We loved on them. We were salt and light, but you have to be a different level of salt and light depending on where you're at and who you're with and who you are. So I, I'd say we dialed it down a little bit. We dialed the light down. We dialed the salt down, and we just lo- let them see as your good deeds. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, let mm-hmm. them see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, you know, a little bit, a little bit goes a long way for us. That was the, that was the key. Wherever you're listening to me, you know that maybe you need to turn it up a little bit. But uh, for us, it didn't take that much. We're supposed to be witnesses. That's what this is about, right? Now go witnessing. We're supposed to be witnesses. So what do they see in your life? So this isn't two hours a week. It's not a program. It no, is no, who you are. Go where you are. That's how they did it. Man, this has been enlightening. Tim and Denise Harlow, uh, Parkview Christian Church, uh, three campuses in the south suburbs of Chicago. And just a, a plug on those references uh, one more time, Wellmentum.net for Denise's podcast. And uh, Tim's book is called Life on Mission. Wherever you get books, you'll, you'll find yeah. it there. That was Stronger Together, a show about growing in marriage, parenting, relationships, and community. Subscribe to the Shine.fm podcast to catch every episode of Stronger Together, available on the iTunes podcast app and wherever podcasts are available.